Welcome to We Bless, our, our series on how we become a blessing to the world. And um, would you guys mind if I just shared a, a text I got from a friend a few weeks ago? And this is really about you, not this isn't about, about me. Uh, this is a friend who had moved away, but they had found a home here and found faith here at Whitewater. Text said this, I had to move home to be close with my family now. I was uh, sitting in church today and opened up the Bible they got here at Whitewater. I thought I would update you on my journey with Christ. He is carrying uh, me through the toughest moment of my life right now. But I cannot thank Whitewater enough for all that you've done for me. From sermons to taking time to sit down and talk, uh, patience, listening, teaching. That's what led me to Jesus. And it's the most abundant, fulfilling love I've ever experienced. Here I am, from an atheist to a Christian. This journey is just getting started, but I owe it all to Whitewater. Thank you for the ministry and all that you do. You are making such an impact. Don't ever forget that. There are not enough words to express my gratitude. Thank you for allowing me to belong far before I ever believed. This is Whitewater, isn't it? Welcome to a place you can belong. Before you believe, um, I want to jump right into this, the, this talk today. Uh, last week, when we looked at the, the story of Jesus, we, t- we talked about two things. The first calling of receiving God's love and, and how we let God fill the reservoir of our hearts so that today we can talk about the second calling, allowing God's love to flow through our lives. And w- when Jesus first um, started his ministry, he didn't start it by doing anything ma- major or powerful he actually, it, it, was, it was a moment of declaration where he was baptized and God, like, in a, in, in a powerful voice that the Bible says sound like many waters, like a waterfall, declared his love for his son to the whole world, like inaugurated his ministry. And at about 30 years old, when Jesus is baptized, God's voice rang out loud and clear, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son, in whom I have great joy. And uh, before Jesus had done anything, God spoke his love over us on the first call is to receive the sonship, the daughtership, the entrance into the family of God. You don't have to do anything to earn that. You cannot earn your way into the family of God. It's only given. It can only be received. Amen? And then the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. That sounds fun. <laughs> I find this to be true. Any step I take of faith into, into God's love is often accompanied with a time of testing. I get any witnesses here? Uh, testing and temptation come like the farther we move into the heart of God. And as we'll learn, I, I truly believe that there's nothing more dangerous to the darkness than a life fully surrendered to God. And Jesus was fully surrendering his whole life and ultimately unto death to God for us. And, and in, in this moment, um, Jesus, after temptation, after holding on to God's love, is ready to unleash his ministry and start his ministry. And uh, I love this in Luke 4, 14. It says, then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. Like after the temptation, after clinging to God's love, after succeeding where all humans have failed with temptation from Satan. None of us are perfect. 
And in the history of Israel, God's people, they failed test after test. Well, Jesus succeeded and he was filled with the power of the Spirit and news about him spread to the entire vicinity. And then in Luke chapter 6, we get a picture of what it looks like to move from the first call of receiving God's love to the second call of actually giving and sacrificing and giving away God's love, letting God's love flow through you is the second call. And we see a picture of that right here in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. If you want to pull your notes out, you can. You can pull your Bibles out and turn there or follow up on the screen behind me. Luke, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. During those days, he, being Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray. Pray and, and spent the all night to God. And in prayer with God. Verse 13, the, the daylight came and he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them whom he also named apostles, as leaders. Jesus went up to the mountain and spent a whole night in prayer. When's the last time, like I was thinking about this as a pastor, I've spent the whole night in prayer. And if, if Jesus had to spend a whole night in prayer, and often I think he prayed a lot and spent time on the mountain, spent time alone with God, how much more time do we need who are broken and, and imperfect? Well, Jesus sets the standard, picks his leaders. And in verse 17, after coming down the mountain with them, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples and a great number of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, the whole region, all these people coming out. And they came to hear him and to be healed by him. I love that statement. They wanted to hear from Jesus. They wanted to heal, be healed from Jesus. Many, many times when we come to God, we come to him with real need. Like we have real needs, like spiritual needs, emotional needs, like relational needs. We come to, to, with need to Jesus. And I, I've, I've known often people who look at Christianity, look at people of faith and will scoff and be like, it's such a crutch and like people bringing, coming to Jesus for, for a need and it, it just is really weak. It seems like a lot of weakness and, a, and create, to them it makes faith look weak. But I'll tell you what, man, I, I need Jesus in my life. He is my crutch. I, 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 don't know, I don't know if there's a human soul that doesn't have a real need. Anybody who would scoff at that makes me wonder what you're hiding. What kind of brokenness you would hide to, to think that you wouldn't have a need. Like I, I, have, I have complete need for Jesus in my life. And they came to him to, to hear from him and to be healed for, by him and healed their diseases. And those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. And to hone in on verse 19, the whole crowd was trying to touch him, to touch Jesus, because power was coming out from him and healing them all. Power was flowing through Jesus. Now listen to the, the kind of the progression here. And Jesus receives God's love as God declares him as his son. He's baptized. And God's love and power is poured into him. Then he, then he goes to the desert and goes through temptation and clings to God's love and holds to the truth and, and works his way through the lies and the temptation and the testing, makes it all the way through. And God is filling the reservoir of his heart. And then he goes to the mountaintop and prays and spends time with his heavenly father and God is filling the reservoir 
of his heart and his life with his love and his power. And then then he he gathers this community around him, spiritual community with leaders and followers, and he gathers them around him. And then they they come down the mountain. I love that. And and the whole time, spiritual community and leaders filling the reservoir of his heart. And as he comes down the mountain, people go to him and power flows out of his life. The Holy Spirit flows out of his life. Friends, to have a, a real and true powerful reservoir, you have to release a powerful river. In other words, a reservoir is not powerful until it releases a powerful river. Amen? We've been asking this question, I've been asking this question just about our church. It's just been on my heart. How can we unlock the gifts and callings of our church to change and serve the world? What would it look like to be a community that is, is so selfless and, 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 and so um, sub, submitted and surrendered to Jesus that we just allow God's love to pour through us? And what would it look like if we were all individually so filled like with the reservoirs of our hearts, with God's power and love, that his, his healing and care and love and peace just flowed out of us. A reservoir becomes powerful when it releases a powerful river. A life becomes powerful when we allow God to release personally our gifts, our passions, our hearts, our limitations and pour it out to the world. A community becomes powerful. A church becomes powerful when we allow God to release the gifts and passions of the people. Friends, what would that look like here at Whitewater? Could you imagine if God released like everyone's gifts, abilities, passions, even our limitations to help bless the world? Genesis 12, 2 says this, I will bless you, says God, and you will be a blessing. We are blessed to become a blessing. Today is all about the second calling. It's all about releasing the river of blessing in your life. It's not being a, a stagnant river, a stagnant lake that just collects and collects and collects and there's no river flowing and just gets stagnant. No, it's not about that. It's also not about becoming a river that just uh, has no focus and becomes a flood and just does, dest- destroys things and it's, it's not focused. We want to be a river that's focused, that's, that is dispensing and delivering and giving the blessings of God to the people who need it in our lives. So what would that look like? Are you with me? This gets me excited. What? would have to happen in our lives for, that, for this to happen. I think the first thing for God to release a powerful river through us individually and as a church, we have to realize that we were shaped for a purpose. You and I are shaped for a purpose. We were designed on purpose. We were designed by a designer. We live in a world where the assumption is that we're all just like random particles, random bits that have come together and, and somehow we find ourselves here and everything else is going to be random. There's no real purpose or reason behind things and any kind of reason you'd come up with is just an illusion to make yourself feel better. We live in a world that assumes that it's survival of, this, of the strongest 
Uh, the strong eat the weak. But the life of Jesus actually it gives us a, a totally different picture. The life of Jesus get, paints a, a, a picture about reality and about our past and about our future that is entirely different than those assumptions. Instead of assuming that it's survival of the strongest, it becomes the thriving of the surrendered. The flourishing of the, of the servant community of Jesus. It's, it's not a, commu- a bunch of random particles that have come to be. We were designed and created on purpose. God has created you to do amazing things. He has a plan f- for your life. He has planned it out from the very beginning. You look in the Bible from Old Testament to New Testament, and, and everyone has a calling in their life. And not just like, like later in life, you know, when they realize maybe I want to make something of myself or when they find religion, the, the, the Bible teaches that you had a calling on your life before you were born. Isaac, Jacob, Samson, Samuel, all had a calling on their life before they were born. Jesus had a calling on his life before he was born. His cousin John the Baptist had a calling on his life before Jesus was born. He was supposed to baptize people. That's why I got the name. He was prepare the way. You, I, I, I'm here today to tell you, you have a call on your life. God has shaped you for a purpose. The question is, do you know it? I believe the more we can help people realize that they're designed, then they will, they will at some point realize there's a designer and they'll meet their designer. I think the more that we can say, hey, you, you are shaped and created by God, and that will help introduce people to the one who has shaped them and created them. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says this, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast or brag. It's all God. He saved you. You can't brag about it, boast about it. Verse 10 says, But we are his workmanship, his like works of art, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God has prepared ahead of time for us to do. You were saved for a purpose. You were shaped for a purpose. Jesus came to earth to, to save us and to shape us and to send us. Like, God wants to use your life. What would it look, I mean, what would it look like if, if everyone in here knew their purpose? knew their shape, what you're good at, what your gifts are, what your limitations are. That, some of you are like, that would be really nice if some friends of mine knew their limitations, you know? They probably feel the same way about you. Like, what would it look like? I mean, and what would it look like to be in a community that, like, that loves other people so much that they're not, like, coming into the doors thinking about, like, what do people think about me? Are they accepting me? Am I good enough? And, like, are they judging me? But the first instinct that we have when we walk in is to love others and to wonder the, ask the question, what gifts has God given them? How can I help unlock their gifts? How can I help them step into who they're shaped to be? Um, Joshua 22.5 says this, Love the Lord your God. Serve him with all your heart and all your soul. We are shaped to serve God. We are shaped to let God unleash our gifts on the world. Like that's, that's what we're designed for. And some of us are like, well, man, I don't feel like I've been making much of an impact with my life. And many people believe like, well, who am I? And God hasn't made an impact. And what can God do with me? And 
Um, I, you know, all sorts of reasons. I'm messed up, jacked up, broken. Uh, I got like no skill. God, God, you didn't give me the skill I should have had. I, I need. Uh, there's other people that are better than me. You should use them. There's all kinds of reasons. But I, I love if we love the Lord our God, we will serve Him with all our heart and soul. It doesn't matter how much we think we're gifted or not. You are gifted. You are shaped for a purpose, for a reason. And sometimes, if we haven't been making an impact, that's a sign that we have been worshiping other gods. It's a sign that we've been serving other priorities. But when we open ourselves to the design that the designer has made, like that unleashes everything. That's when you start to see the Jesus pattern. Where we're filled as a reservoir and then God releases his power. And, and I'm not Jesus. You're not Jesus. None of us are, like, are as gifted and have the, the abilities that Jesus has. But in the Bible, I think Jesus was ty- trying to teach us a pattern of how to live. He went up the mountain, spent time with the Lord, filled the reservoir, chose his spiritual community, and then God released the power through him. I think we have to surrender our whole lives if we're going to see God release a river of blessing through us. So, how do we discover how we're shaped? How do we discover our gifts and abilities? Have you guys ever heard of the, <clears throat> the Golden Buddha? It's like, isn't this a Christian church? Why are they talking about Buddha? Well, hang with me here. The Golden Buddha. Um, it's a really fascinating story. Many years ago, a huge, ugly statue in the middle of Bangkok of this big Buddha was there. And it was old, it was ugly. People would put their soda cans on it. they put garbage on it. They'd ignore it. But one day, while a priest was trying to have the statue transported, in the middle of the moving, the statue fell over and cracked. And when they inspected the crack, there were some pieces that fell off. And what they realized was that the concrete statue was not a concrete statue. It was just a layer, a crust around what became the biggest discovery of the biggest chunk of gold that had ever been found. This thing was eight feet, eight feet tall. Golden Buddha that had been encrusted in concrete sitting in the middle of a town in the, in, the, like, in the middle of everything going on, no one knowing that in the middle of their town was a golden, priceless statue. I think people are like that. I think that people walk around not knowing that there's gold inside of them, that God has placed his image, that he has created them, that he's designed them with gifts, skills, heart, passion, experiences that he wants to use in their life. I think there are people that are at work with their, in their life, that they go to work every day and they, don't, and they don't use their gifts. They don't use what they're passionate about. I think people, there's so much gold out there and sometimes it's walking in plain sight. We just don't see it. We don't see the gold in other people. Some of you guys got silver. Some of you guys got rubies. Some of you, but you, we're all different, but we got treasure inside. Amen? Amen? The question is, are we aware of it? Do we, have we taken an inventory of it? Are we discovering our gifts, our shape? So um, I want you to discover your shape. Write this down on your, um, write this down on your notes. Discover your shape. Take an inventory of your shape. My uh, friend, uh, Dan, has a son. His name's Emerson. And uh, this kid, uh, he's kind of small. He's, he's not like super big. Um, 
But they put a golf club in his hand at some point because his dad likes golf, like a little toy. And this kid started cranking golf balls. And pretty soon they gave him like an actual, like not just a toy, but like a, they got him a kid like club. He's just like, he was just, I think he was like two. Heather, how old was he when you guys got him going? You're here. He's one and a half. This kid's like the next Jordan Spieth. And they say that the, great, the two greatest days of someone's life are the day that they're born and the day that they find out why. This kid found out why when he had that golf club, like uh, the biggest why up to this point in his life, because it's always we're always discovering, right? And this kid can crank it over, like every ball is going over their their fence. It must be costing Dan a fortune. I think Dan has been training him at like early, like two, three in the morning for years. But this kid is amazing. Isn't it amazing when you see someone do what they're born to do? Isn't it so uh, like fun? I got a, I, I've had two dogs in the last uh, few years. One of them is alive, and one of them, we, he ran away, or, or we, don't, we don't know if a coyote got him. But it was a really sad day when we lost Bosley. So a few months uh, later, we got a, a new bulldog named Whiskey. My wife's very embarrassed that we named him Whiskey, so you have to forgive your pastor. Um, but I said, whenever you're yelling for Whiskey, people want to see him that year. And she's like, ah, um, so she, that was a slow burn. It's a slow bourbon. Um, so Whiskey, when he runs, he's the new pup. He's like a bulldog, but he's like stretched out, lean. He's built, he runs like the wind for a bulldog. Like he doesn't have the breathing issues and his dog is fast. He hangs in with my brother's poodle. It's like amazing. Our dog Bosley, the, the, the uh, older bulldog, we had him. He was the most amazing sleeper you would have ever seen. I mean, he was born for sleeping. Some of you guys are like, yeah, that's my gift. You know, I just, that's an excuse, but it is a nice gift. People are, it is so fun when you see somebody do something that they're born to do. God loves it when we step into our shape. So I want to talk to you guys about discovering your shape. I'm going to walk you guys through this. We use an acrostic at Whitewater shape, uh, it stands for spiritual gifts, and you might want to take this down in your notes, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. It should be up on the board behind me. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, or aptitudes, uh, personality, and experiences. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go over these briefly. Um, but in our journey track, we actually have a whole day, the third class, it is a, it's an inventory where you get to take a personal discovery inventory of your gifts, your shape, how God has wired you so that in your family, in your work, in your life, in your church family, uh, in your community, God can unleash the blessing that he has uh, wired you with. So spiritual gifts in Romans 12, it says this, verse 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts. Notice it says God has given us. We haven't earned these or created them ourselves. Everything we have is a gift. We are blessed by God to become a blessing. So in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So uh, God has given you the ability, if he's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out as much uh, without as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a, uh, are a teacher, teach well. If you want teachers in the house, some of you guys, I appreciate you. My wife is a teacher. If you guys have a gift to encourage one another, be encouraging. Don't hold that gift. 
gift? That's terrible. If you've been hiding your gift of encouragement, start giving it away. Uh, if, if your gift is generosity, give generously. Uh, if, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Quit hiding it. Notice, any gift you've been given is not just for you. Any gift you've been given is actually for other people. What you've been given is not for you. It's to be given to others. Amen? Amen. No hoarding these gifts. Now, um, spiritual gifts are really important. Allowing God to use you. Being a family. Like walking into the building like I was saying and looking and saying, how can I help others unlock their gifts? So important. Now, heart. If we were to jump to heart, heart is about passion. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, A purpose in a man's heart is like deep water. Again, purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Have you ever seen it when someone's passion comes out? Like, have you ever taught? Like, we've got some gamers that come in. There's a group that does board gaming. Like, it's their passion. If you get them talking about, like, I'm not talking like Settlers of Catan. Some people are like, that's like way out there. Settlers of Catan is like the, that's like the gateway drug for gamers. It's, I mean, and, the, and you start asking them about games, they will tell you about worlds you never knew existed. Am I right, CJ? I mean, his passion comes out. You want to know some more? Talk to CJ here. He will, he, half the church is going to be gaming next week. This is a little scary. Um, my daughter, when, when she first got a, uh, a paintbrush in her hand, it was like a, a match lit. And her heart, was her passion, she, um, she paints everything. And it was so amazing and good for her to see that passion. It was so bad for the walls of my house, the floors and the dog. And I've got like a tattoo that she drew on my arm like uh, right now. I'll show you guys later when I flex. Um, she is an artist and just it flows out of her and she wears like artist type but she loves colors and rainbows she wears rainbow dress my wife does not like rainbow dresses but my daughter loves them and that's awesome it's amazing when when passions come out of people like did you know that everybody has a unique heartbeat you know every heartbeat like when they track it has a unique beat it's like a thumbprint you, are, you, you have a unique heartbeat. God is, you, some of you guys are passionate about things like that some people aren't even aware of. But because of your passion, lives are changed. If there's no passion, there's no gift. There's no gifting. Like there's no gifts. There's no, there's no energy. There's no movement. But where there's passion, you show me someone's passion, I'll show you gifts. I'll show you uh, energy and power and motivation like it all follows like unlocking the heart unlocking the unique heartbeats of people like that's what that's what changes things if it, imagine a church where everyone who's unique and has different every let's let's be honest with each other there are some people that are passionate about things that you might hate or not care about at all some of you guys are just like i don't care about gaming and you're like that's so lame i would much prefer to read lord of the rings <laughs> That's much less nerdy. (laughs) There's people that are passionate about stuff I would never be passionate about. God has given you that passion, and he wants you to use it. Amen? Let's be a church that mobilizes people and unlocks their passion. Abilities. Abilities. Again, going back up, God in his grace gave us different gifts and abilities. Think of all the amazing abilities right now in in this room. Let me ask you real quick. 
Do you know the gifting of the people around you? Do you even know? How about your friends? Do you know what they're really passionate about? Do you know what they're really gifted? Do you know their abilities? I think one of the, the, the biggest tricks the devil plays on people is like, like a lack of curiosity. Or when we, when we are selfish and we're so self-centered and worried about ourselves all the time, we never even ask. We're never even worried about the unlocked talent and potential around us. What if we were a community that like part of our job is, man, man, I can't wait to help unlock someone's passion and gifting. How many teachers in the house? I saw one or two, right? There's a few. What, what does it do for you when you see a kid unlock their passion and their ability? What does it do? Doesn't it just fire you up? Like that's why you teach. That's why you do what you do. I mean, as a church, this, is, this should be something we're so excited about. I think there's people with mechanical ability in here that, I mean, I can't, I couldn't even point out a carburetor to you. Um, but there's people in here that are so gifted. But some of you guys have turned your garages or your, half your house into a, a mechanic's place or into like a fix-it room or, you know, your construction oriented. You're so skilled with your hands and your mind. It's unbelievable. There's people, there's teachers here, there's writers, there's, there's musicians, there's artists, there's leaders. Um, there's people highly relationally skilled. There's people who are um, who are achievement um, oriented, and your guys are unbelievable. And and uh, the achievement people get get frustrated with like the the thinking people who are just all about you know like imagining and thinking things. And the thinking people are like, man, these achievers are just like they're all about just doing things and never thinking. And then the relational people are like, oh, are they okay? You know. <laughs> There's so many different abilities in here. We've got to unlock these things. Imagine what God could do if we all surrendered our abilities, gifts, and shape to him. Imagine what this church could do in our community. And we do it together. Personality. Each, I love this from the message. It says, each person is given something to do that shows who God is. We reflect God by what we share with others. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit. All kinds of gifts, all kinds of manifestations are handed out by God to all kinds of people. Like, there's all kinds of people. Like, there's weird people. I mean, man, most of us are probably weird somewhere. Everyone's got an inner nerd. I found that everybody has an inner nerd. You do. You, you Lord of the Ring followers. You Nancy Drew readers. You golfers. You, everybody has something they nerd out about. And we're all unique with just varied personalities. And I love this. The variety is wonderful. And God wants to use it all. He wants to use it all. He wants to use it all. And he wants us to use it in the, our circles of influence. He, the, the next thing is, is uh, God wants to use your experiences. Your story matters to God. Your story matters to God. Maybe that's one thing someone had to hear today is your story matters to God. Every high, every low, every hurt, every pain, every high moment, every great moment God wants to use. God never wastes a hurt. And we serve a God who will take the worst and most broken things in our life and he will use it to create a blessing. Amen? That's not a, that's not a, a church that's trying to, to, to believe in a survival of the strongest. It's a thriving of the surrendered. God wants to use He wants to use all of it. He wants it for our families. He wants you to, he wants you to share your shape. 
Share your shape. That's, put that on your notes. God wants to release the, the river. Release the river. Share your shape. Share it. Give it away. And, and, and like, a, like a river that's flowing and, and kind of goes pool to pool to pool. And, and where the river flows, life flourishes. And so bring flourishing, bring blessing to your families and to your coworkers and to your job. Do good work. Bring it, bring blessing, bring your shape, how God has shaped you. Bring it to your church family. Like, have you ever been to a, 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 to a home where like no one cares about each other and don't serve each other? They're just doing their own thing. Have you ever been to a family where like everyone serves each other and they want to bring out the best in each other and they respect each other? I think it all starts with accepting how God has shaped you. Accept how God has shaped you. God is me, but I'm not like this person. Comparison just kills people. It drives competition and jealousy, and just remove that. Like, just celebrate someone else's gifts. Be like, God, thank you for making them so gifted in that area. I'd love to have that, but you made me me. I'm the only one who can be me. You're the only one who can be you. You're the only one with your unique fingerprint. You're the only one with your unique heartbeat. You're the only one with your shape. Let God use you. Celebrate it. Use it. Let God use you. Amen? Amen. Share your shape. My, uh, my son is in the process of discovering his gifts, and I can't wait to see the manifestations of his gifts. Right now, it's just, he's an alarm clock every morning for us. That's his gift to us. <laughs> That's the noise that comes out. I'm like, Sarah, it's your turn. And he's like, no, it's your turn. I, I think he needs a diaper change. And this is where some people with their gift, and they're like, you know, I was like, Sarah, it's not my passion or my shape <laughs> to change a diaper. She's like, if you want to live, you'll make it your passion. <laughs> Don't be one of those people that, that miss the point. You have, we have to connect our shape with real needs. We have to connect our shape with real needs. We can't be self-centered. And I had another friend who was discipling someone who was like, yeah, this guy, he's like, I love him, love him to death, and he's really wanting to find his passion, he wants to serve, but it's like this really unique niche thing, and it's great, um, but he's struggling serving any other, anybody else in his life. And he was like, could you serve here? Could you help here? I'm like, I really want to get involved, I want to get involved. Nope, 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 no perfect match, you know, out there, and... And he's like, all of a sudden I realized, and I was asking, can you do this? Can you do this? Could you just help me do some setup and tear down? Could you just help me? And all of a sudden he realized, the guy was telling him, I can't, I'm not passionate enough about people to help lift a chair. Guys, we can't become people that are so selfish that we, <laughs> we, can't, we can't change diapers and we can't lift up a chair. I go by the 80-20 rule, like pursue trying to like live within your shape and do what God has shaped you to do and what you're passionate about 80% of the time. And the 20%, the 20% maybe even 30%, give away. If you're not good at it, it'll show that God's amazing and he'll work. Like when we are, are limited and we're not good enough, but, but God works through us, who gets the credit? He does. <laughs> and, and use that 20% to serve others and meet needs that maybe you're not gifted in. And use that 20% to help unlock the gifts of others. Like it's not, it becomes selfish, it becomes just about us. Your gifts are not for you. First Peter uh, says this in, in um, where, uh, it's, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. It, 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 it's, it says that you're, you were made to serve others. Serve others with your gifts. Um, 
I just want to leave you with a few thoughts. Um, We live in a broken and hurting world, yes? We live in a divided and polarized world. Um, It struck me, I didn't tell the other service this, but Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, has a good quote. It's like, you'll, you'll find a lot of brokenness, and I'm paraphrasing here, in the world. But he says, my mom always taught me to look for the helpers. In his Mr. Rogers voice. Probably with a puppet on his hand. (laughs) We are called to be the blessers, the helpers. We can be the uniters, the healers of a divided nation and a polarized people and a dark and broken world. That's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to be. And if we want to be like Jesus who comes down the mountain with a spiritual community and, and like power flows from him, we have to submit our lives. We have to submit our, our shape to God. Yeah? We can't waste our shape. We can't be selfish with our shape. We have to accept others' shape. We have to accept our own shape. And, and, and we have to connect it to real needs. But if God's going to release a river through our lives, we have, to, we have to share and surrender our shape. It says in... in um, in the, in the Luke uh, 6 and 7, that power came from him. That power came out of Jesus when he came down the mountain. And Jesus said this, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. God will bless people through your heart, through your life. And wherever the river flows, life will what? Flourish. Your families will flourish. Your friends will flourish. Your coworkers will flourish. Your church will flourish. We have to serve one another. Let's be a family that serves. We take care of each other. When people come in, they see a church that serves and loves. We're not selfish. Like when they see your family, they see a family that serves and loves. The biggest thing I see people struggle with are things like doubt and fear. Those are the things that like stop the river and make the stagnant reservoir in our life and in churches. And there's judgment and there's sin that gets in there. Have you ever had sin in your life that starts blocking you from being a blessing? Um, bad decisions, regrets, temptation from Satan. The devil was terrified that Jesus would step into his, his calling. There's nothing more dangerous to the darkness than someone who fully submits their life to God. And there's even well-meaning friends. And you got well-meaning friends that have actually prevented you from being a blessing? Jesus had a friend like that. His name was Peter. Peter's like, surely, Lord, you'll never die on the cross. And, he's, and, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. How would you like to have Jesus say that to you? <laughs> and wh- why did Jesus say that? Because Peter was tempting him to do the same thing Satan tempted him to do, which is to not surrender fully to God. And do what God was asking him to do. I mean, there are so many things. Some of us don't have a relationship with God. We're not going to the mountain. We don't have spiritual community with us. So like, the Spirit is not flowing. The power of the Spirit is not flowing through our lives. Guys, we have to get it right. There's a broken world that needs the community of the church. What happens when the river flows? Life flourishes. Lives are changed. People discover more about how they were made to be and what their shape is. There's joy seeing transformation. There's fruit. There's, there's uh, 
new, new relationship with God starts to form. You start to know God better than you've ever known him. And, and you, what the Christians call, we glorify God. We make God famous to others. So much good happens when we unlock our lives to him. So would you, let me ask you this question. How many of you want to have a life fully submitted and surrendered to God? How many of you would love to see what God could do through a fully submitted church? Well, let, let, let's take a, a moment, a step of faith. Would you pray this prayer with me as we close our, our, um, our sermon here? Would you, would you uh, have a moment of faith where God would release the river of your heart, where you would surrender your whole life to him? Would you bow your head and, and pray with me? God, you have blessed me to become a blessing. I am surrendering my life, my shape, to your purposes. Use me to serve whomever you send me to serve. I will love and serve anybody, anytime, anywhere. My friends, my family, my church family, my community, and my world, I want to share my shape Continue discovering my shape and help others discover their shape. Would you make my life to be a reservoir of your blessing that unleashes a river of blessing to the world? In Jesus' name, amen.